life mission is my career, my mission as a man to inspire, to leave a legacy. And if anything gets in the way of that, it immediately, it gets trumped. Not saying that I won't love my wife and all this stuff like that, but if I'm not my truest self when I'm with her, then I don't feel complete. Some women may not understand why they're either their husband or their creative husband, whoever he's so like into what he does, is because that's just a part of his DNA as a as as a man. Like that's that's what he is programmed from his spirit. He's programmed to to be that way. But you can do that and love. Hey y'all, you are listening to another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl, where we discuss all things concerning self-development and bettering our spirit, but from the homie perspective, somebody that's going through the journey day by day, just like you. Hey y'all, it's your girl Maria, The Spiritual Homegirl, and we are back with another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. Before I get started, y'all know I cannot move forward with an episode without thanking you all for tuning in out of the tens and thousands of podcasts that are in podcast land you choose to lend me your ears once a week for about an hour or so and i really appreciate that oh man love is in the air y'all and i don't mean romantic love here i mean people love to talk about the planet venus being about love and relationships but i think it's also about attraction how you attract things that are of value to you and i think that um doing this interview under a venus conjunction um, with two people who have Venus and Taurus and currently Venus is in Taurus right now. So it's actually pretty dope. It was a lot of just cool back and forth um, with my loved one. And that loved one is Rome, a.k.a. Spiritual Rome Boy, a.k.a. Rome Green Jr. of Dormtainment. And um, that's one of my friends and I, he's really dope. I mean, if you guys know of his work, I mean, you pretty, I'm pretty sure you've seen how dope he is on screen, but he's also just as dope off screen. So I interviewed him about six or seven months ago when I was in LA and it was interesting because we actually interviewed during a retrograde. I think it was the last day of retrograde, um, back in, I think September and the weather was crazy out there. I think it was a heat wave going on. And now here we are in Atlanta. It's like 44 degrees in, you know, the beginning of springtime. And it's during a retrograde. And here we are again <laughs> interviewing. But um, it's pretty dope. Um, he's, he's grown a lot in the past seven months. From what from what I know um, that he's been through and just being, being around, like he's definitely done damn near a 180. And how he conducts himself and how he how he views life and how he how he does things. So I really wanted him to jump on the show again and just kind of tell us what he's gone through since turning 30. He's so proud of, of 30. 30 is like his king year. So I said, you know what? If you really are out here on this king stuff, let's talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to get on your business if you come back on the show. And he was like, all right, cool. And I said, okay, well, sh- sh- let's run it. So he came to Atlanta. He's in town on business for work. So I was like, all right, let's do it. So we um, basically getting his business for about an hour and a half. And we're talking about everything in this episode. Books, parents, life lessons, relationships, women, sex magic. Um, what else do we talk about? Uh, creation. It's just a, it, we, we basically just go in. There's no interview format. We just basically chop it up for about an hour and a half. So um, with that being said, <laughs> y'all enjoy. Hey y'all, it's your girl Maria, the spiritual homegirl, and I am here with Rome Green Jr. How are you? I'm doing well, enlightened, living, loving. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. So for those who do not know, I interviewed Rome about maybe six months ago. 
um, while he was out in California. He's here in Atlanta now um, doing, what are you doing here in town? I am uh, filming a short film. Uh, so I got booked for a short film two, three weeks ago, and now I'm here about to start shooting tomorrow, actually. Yeah, so that's what I'm here for. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. It's, uh, it's fun. It's fun. I like traveling for work. You know, I, when growing up, I was like, I want to travel for work, and that's what I'm doing. So I like it. You know what? That reminds me. Um, for those who may not know, we interviewed about just the like, just basic who Rome is. So for those who may not have caught the first interview, mm -hmm. who are you? Uh, I am Rome Green. I am a comedian, actor, entertainer, musician, all of all of that in one uh, facet. I am a, a very spiritual person, hence, you know, me being on the spiritual homegirl. Um, I am a military baby, so I'm very punctual with time. I was here before she was here, just to let everybody Don't know. Don't be, I was on time too, um, he was just early. If you're early, you're on time. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's who I am. I'm a, I'm a lover, I am a faithful person, 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 and, uh, I, I like to like to make people laugh. You like long walks on the beach too? Nah, nah, nah. Because the sand getting your toes, and like <laughs> I got big feet, so a lot of sand getting between my toes, and I ain't really trying to have that. Matt, which we'll brings me to a story. The first time we were in California, we were at Venice Beach, I believe it was, and they had tar in the water or something. So it gets on the bottom of your foot, and it is you have to scrub like to get it off, like. You had to really scrub and it was really annoying. I only had a little bit, but some of my homies had like a lot of, it was like black, sud looking. It was, it was terrible, it was terrible. Anyway, yeah. Note to self, don't get in the water in Venice Beach. I mean, you, you can get in the water. I mean, they might have got it out now. That was a while ago, so I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so for those who may have caught the interview last time, what place were you in when we first spoke? Uh. I was in my house. <laughs> you was waiting on that one. I, I knew it. I wasn't really waiting. You, 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 you handed it to me, and as I a comedian, I, I, I have to. I always hand it to you, apparently. I mean, you know. Just like these vitamins I got on. Yeah, she. if y'all can't see, for those who are listening right now, she got on the genuine pony boots. It got like some little tassels on it. It looked like, you know when you go to a car wash and they wash the car, it looked like she, she just shake your foot across the car. She'll clean your whole... You ain't right. Well, the but, record, um, no, they're no. Minnetonkas, okay? They're Minnetonkas. That sounds like a boot you clean the car with. <laughs> Get off my nerve. But no, no, no. Um, I was 29 when you when you interviewed me last time, and I was in a confused spot in my life because I was in a in between phase of doing videos every week. For those who don't know, me and my group, we do videos every uh, Sunday and, and we kind of slowed down from that. So I was in a spot where I wasn't really finding, um, I wasn't really finding the joy in like that repetitive state of doing videos and all that stuff. So it was in between trying to figure that out and we had projects up in the air. So it's kind of where I was. I was still happy, but just a little in a, in a confused uh, space. And well, for those who didn't, hear the interview you can you can go back and listen to it on your on the spiritual home girl but but yeah so that's kind of where i was uh, trying to figure things out yeah okay so where were you personally personally um i it was right before i was 
I was going home. I knew I was going home that winter. Personally, I was in a, I was in an interesting spot because I had just got really in a new like routine of things, like trying to wake up, meditate, trying to wake up and uh, pray uh, uh, on a constant, trying to learn how to eat certain things, not eat certain things. I was trying to balance uh, going out and doing work. I was, it was just, uh, my head was kind of everywhere personally, honestly, at at that point. which a lot of people wouldn't know because I keep a cool outer shell, but sometimes on the inside, it's like a million little men running around throwing file papers everywhere. But as an artist and a creative, most artists and creatives will understand exactly what I'm what I'm saying. So, but yeah, that's kind of where I was because I wasn't I wasn't taking time to uh, rest. I wasn't taking time to sit still, which I'm still tweaking that a little bit. But I wasn't sitting still at all. Like I was moving, 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 and I was on a constant move. And moving is good, but also it's bad because you can't listen to that still voice inside of you. And I wasn't listening to that voice at that time. So um, yeah, that's where I was personally. Okay, so it obviously sounds like the way you're talking, it was past tense in terms of what you used to do. Mm-hmm. And now you're in a space where it seems like you're at least heading towards a 180 if you already haven't gotten there. So what were the things that happened to you in the past six or seven months that caused you to move from that spot to where you are now? Um, man, a lot has happened. And, uh, well, starting in December, I got to take a trip home to see my dad, who I hadn't seen in almost two years. And me and my dad, it was the first time that we had, like, me and my dad always been cool, but like this is the first time we were connected. You know what I'm saying? And and we hadn't we hadn't been connected in a long, long time because on this trip I took the time because as I like I said I was about to, I was gonna be turning thirty this April, and I was like you know what I'm gonna interview my dad for the second time. I was like how you interview him? And I was like interview him, and I was like we're gonna get a little bit more personal this time. So on this podcast, like live on this podcast. Me and my dad are talking about things that I had a problem with with him when I was growing up. And he shared his point of view and perspective on things. And it kind of made me really step back and think, I, I may have just been looking at a lot of things in my life without the right perspective, without the right glasses to, to say. Like, so my dad, he was gone a lot when I was younger, but he was in the military. And at eight or nine, my dad was only 32, 33 years old. Not much older than I am now. And the responsibility that he had to carry, trying to figure out his life, trying to figure out his relationship with my mom, trying to figure out his relationship with me and, and me being, uh, you know, at the age where I was starting to understand things, that was hard for him. So he didn't know how to explain that to me. And he said this to me on the podcast. And I was like, you know, I never looked at it that way until now that I'm older, because I can't imagine me having an eight, nine-year-old right now. Because, <laughs> I was with my little brothers for a week, and I was like, all right, y'all got to sit down. They just, they just keep going. Like, kids just keep going and going. So that happened, which made me look at other things in my life. Like, for example, when I was talking about um, us not doing skits and stuff anymore, I was like, you know, I'm just looking at it at the wrong, in, 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 in the wrong viewpoint. I was like, we 
we've been doing them and it's okay to shift and it's okay to make an adjustment. So many people are scared to make an adjustment because they feel like it's going to hinder their future progress. But what they really got to understand is making an adjustment actually advances your, your future pro- uh, your future progress because you can't stay the same. It's like you can't be in this constant wheel of, of doing the same thing because that's when you lose interest. That's when you lose motivation. So that helped me find perspective. And then the top of the year, I started fully going vegan um, with the help um, of a trainer by the name. He goes by the name of uh, Justin Physique. And he's a, a trainer. He's vegan. And I was like, you know what? Because of my Aries, it's either zero or it's 100 with me. Either, either I'm not with it or I'm with it. And I was like, you know what? I've been doing pescatarian for like four years. It's time to crank it up. I was like, let me let me try vegan. But I want to try vegan and also build muscle and really, really like hone in on discipline. Like I'm big on discipline and like staying true to structure of something once I put my mind to it. So we uh, he got me on the plan. And I started cranking it from from January until now. I'm still I'm still doing it, and I'm not gonna sit here and say like, oh, it's been the best journey ever. I've you know I've completed it with such amazing uh, swiftness. And no 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 no, it be nights where I'm be at my bed and I'm like, I don't need to do this. I don't need to do this, man. It's stupid. This don't make sense. But then that inner voice is like, but if you don't do it, who are you, who are you letting down? Who who? Who are you inspiring right now that if you quit, they may quit? And I don't have a quitting spirit. Like that's something I don't do. I, my my heart is on on ten. Like I'll never quit. Like we can be in a battle, and I'm just gonna go down until I can't breathe. Like that's just what it is. So I was like, you know what? I gotta take that same mentality into my workouts. My homeboy Cam in the group, he says he don't like working out with me because I don't know how to stop. He's like, you don't know how to take a break between rests. <laughs> between rests, I'm like, yeah, because I'm in it. Like I'm I'm in the zone, and I and I treat the weights like I treat life. You gotta keep pushing. Like that's just that's what it is. And so yeah, so that changed a lot in me because it, it taught me like you know uh, just just to take my time, be patient with my body because a lot of people we rush. You know when you want to get that summer fit. You know what I'm saying we. We rush and we like, oh, I want it, I want it, I want it. And in the first like three weeks, I didn't see no result. I was like, oh, I'm not doing nothing. But then like over time, and then like by March, I seen cuts. I seen I seen me slimming down. I seen certain things that I didn't see before, and I was like, okay, I'm making the right moves. And you just got to be patient and kind of wait for that that uh, that progress to catch up. Because sometimes we're a little bit faster than uh, than the what God has planned. You know what I'm saying? Like we we move. In a certain speed, that God is like it's a it's a uh, pastor by the name of uh, Michael Todd calls it the pace of grace, and that's a big thing for me because the pace of grace is a real thing. It's like yo, we want to move a thousand miles per hour on a treadmill, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But God is like, you know, just crank that down a little bit. Let's walk, cause we still gonna get there. You want to get there faster, but you getting there faster is going to cause more hurt, more pain, less growth. You getting there with me is going to cause you to be steadfast, to be uh, diligent, to be disciplined, and you'll learn. So that's what this working out has taught me. And then I was able to read a lot. Uh, two books, two, three books, actually, were the, the two that changed my life. It was the, um, a book called The Way of the Superior Man, which the funny thing about this book is a woman suggested me the book 
about a year and a half ago. At that time, I was like, I'm not reading this. I don't feel like reading this. It's a lot right now. And then all of a sudden, like, I just got this feeling. It was like, it was like, yo, I think you need to read that book. And man, I cracked it open and it just was, it just was wrong. But it goes to show that you can't, once again, it's the pace. Like, you can't rush certain things. I was just, I wasn't ready to read it at the time. It wasn't meant for me to read it then because I don't know if it would have had the same impact on my life. But the way, it's, the way of the superior man is essentially a book about uh, the, the feminine and uh, masculine <clears throat> traits that men have and how those polarities work with uh, women's feminine and masculine traits and how certain things, certain the way we act towards women or the way we uh, lash out sometimes in a relationship is due to the feminine or masculine side. It's just the whole book is about getting to your true self, whether you're a man or a woman. The woman read it and said it changed her life and her relationship with her, with her husband and uh, with her guy. and. I read it and it just started to make a lot of sense to certain things, the way I may act or the way I may do stuff. And I'm not saying you gotta follow everything by the book, but there's certain similarities where you're like, oh, okay, well that makes sense. Um, so I read that book and then I read a book called Three Feet From Gold, um, which was just a book about not giving up. And that book really touched me because it's just a bunch of stories of people, successful people who are right there at the brink of things, but it just doesn't uh, doesn't work out. And I just seen a quote by the guy who broke the sound barrier. I think his name is Chuck Yeager, if I'm not mistaken. He said, right before I broke the sound barrier, right before you break the sound barrier, the cockpit is its most uh, shaky. It's like the most violent. Oh. And that's life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right before you break through, everything hits the fan. Everything is like, you're like, what is going on, like things, you know, business deals fall through, you know, somebody, some tragedy may happen, anything, and it's like right before that breakthrough comes, it's like that shaking, but then as soon as you break through, it's like a, like a peace, like a calming, and that whole book, Three Feet From Gold, pretty much uh, talks about that, and I just picked up another book last night called Ask and It Shall Be Given, like I'm just in a whole, I'm in a downloading phase of my life right now, and I'm downloading just to spit it back out to whoever may need it. Like, I feel like that's my, that's a part of my, my goal in life. A part of my life's mission is to download this information that that guy wants me to have and to put it out into the world. But, so yeah, that's what I've been doing. And I turned 30, so on April 1st, the best. Born on April Fool's, yeah. but ain't no fool about them. You, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little, I'm a little foolish. Yeah. With that joke about my boots, yes, you definitely are. You know, I'm still something about me. But um, going back to your <laughs> to your interview with your pops, yeah. shout out to uh, Papa Slice. Yeah. For those who DJ do not know, Slice. yes, DJ Slice. For those who are trying to um, listen to that interview with your father, where can they find that? What's the name of it? Oh, um, you can go on SoundCloud and type in Dormtainment, or it's called the Comedy uh, Trap House. So on iTunes, you can type in the Comedy Trap House and. You'll see the interview featuring Rome's dad, um, and we call him DJ Slice because when he used to DJ, that's the DJ name he went by, and it's so hilarious. My dad's funny; he's funny. He got a deep voice like you, huh? Right? My voice deeper than his. I know, but I'm just saying, cause you know, you look just like him. I, well, I, when I, you I sit do, next I to him, I do. I do look just like my dad. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, I mean, um, it's weird. It's honestly weird because 
and the older I get, the more mannerisms I see. And I'm just like, this is interesting. Like I start, I yell at kids the same way he yell at kids. And he got like a little stutter sometimes. Sometimes I have a little stutter and he mumbles sometimes. I used to be real bad at mumbling. I'm, I've been working on my enunciation when I'm speaking. So uh, I don't have to mumble because you know, I don't want to keep on having a, a history of family members that mumble. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to do better. But yeah, DJ Slice. Um, were, were, did you ask me something about him or were you about to ask me something about him? You can't remember either, huh? Nope. See, when you enlightened and having this great conversation, it's hard to remember things sometimes, you know? But yeah. <laughs> okay. Slice. Slice. Shout out Slice. Yes. So um, just out of curiosity, yeah. what I picked up from what you were saying about being a particular way, go, 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 mm-hmm. I would equate that to masculine energy of just in terms of putting forth things, right? Mm-hmm. I also equated, I mean, I, I didn't tell you this already, but regarding your whole structure and discipline, that's Virgo Moon all day to me. Okay. Earth grounded stability. Okay. Security. Mm-hmm. And then with you saying that you used to be a person that just always is running around, running around, mm-hmm. with you pausing and stopping, and you saying you're in a downloading phase, would you think that maybe that is the balance of the feminine energy within you? Because feminine is receptive mm-hmm. and loving. No, it definitely is, it definitely is. And the, I'm a I'm an emotional person, like especially when it comes to my craft, when it comes to when, I, when I'm involved with somebody intimately, anything like that, I'm an emotional person. All that comes from my feminine energy. And the masculine is my, like where I'm at right now, like our, my life's mission is my 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 career, my 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 mission as a man to inspire, to leave a legacy. And if anything gets in the way of that, it immediately it gets trumped. Not saying that I won't love my wife and all this stuff like that, but if I'm not my truest self when I'm with her, then I don't feel complete. Then I come home and I'm drained because I don't have. My, my my life's work isn't being done. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's that's the whole goal. Like, so a lot of times when you know uh, some women may not understand why their their husband or their creative husband, whoever he's so like into what he does, it's because that's just a part of his DNA as a as a, as a man. Like, that's that's what he is programmed from. You know, from his spirit, he's programmed to to be that way, and it's not. And but you can the book talks about you can do that and love like Which one? you can uh, the the way of the spirit man talks about how you can do your life's mission but love just as hard like they said the way that you attack your career and your life's work is the same way you should ravish your woman in in love and and even in intimacy in the bed and anything like it's the same yeah. that exact same thing and when I when I read it I was like. That's crazy, uh, and then it, the book go it, it it goes deep, but yeah. So essentially, um, me on the go go go, I know that's the that's like the lion part of me. You know, I've, I've said this to you before, the lion and lamb. Yeah. Then I can go go go, but at the same time, when something with family or something like that comes up, like that's the lamb part of me, like that has to be able to sit and process what's going on. It's a lot of times where I've been go go go, something that happened with my family or something like that. And I have to have enough balance to come back to that, you know, take care of business, but then get right back to to work, which is something that 
you know, I'm not looking forward to, but it's something I know is going to happen because I know I'm going to be traveling to do a lot of things. And I never know when something may happen when I'm on the road and I have to adjust. I have to shift and figure out, you know, what to do. So, yeah, I do think that's a lot of my masculine energy that go, go, go. And it's a lot of my my parents. My mom, she left the house when she was 17, didn't look back. My dad left when he was 20, 19, 20, didn't look back. And they traveled all their lives. They bounced around. They moved, they moved, they moved. My granddad, which we, we talked about before, my granddad, he's been working since he was, um, I think he came out the womb with a, with a hammer and nails. Like, he's just been, he's been building, building, building all his life. He's 83 in the lab and he's still alive. And when I just seen him, he was outside of work and I was like, yo, when, when do you not work? But my grandma doesn't get in the way of that. Yeah. She might have her complaints, she might have, but she knows that that, if he, Honestly, if my granddad was to stop working, he would drop dead, I feel like. Like, that's just his right. thing. Like, that's some people can't function. Like, me, I can't function without creating. If somebody was to stifle me, put me in a box, and I couldn't move, I couldn't create, you might as well just take me off earth. Because what am I doing? What am I doing here? Who am I inspiring? What legacy am I leaving? Who am I teaching? Who? What am I growing? Like, I, so, yeah, that's a lot of that masculine energy to answer your question is that the go, 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 for sure. I think so. But I definitely feel you um, when it comes to cages. I know my spirit animal is the hummingbird because it that's what it represents, joy yeah. and the sound of music and inspiring mm -hmm. and um, just always on the move. They don't ever... I you know mine? Before. We can, I think I pulled yours. My animal? I could have swore I pulled yours. I know my favorite animal, but yeah. You know, we can talk about it after. Okay. But you know. Um, with um, hummingbirds, you can't put them in cages because energetically they'll die. Mm -hmm. So when you describe that, I'm like, I'm the same exact way. Like, I cannot feel like I'm in a box in any way, shape, or form, whether it's authority, whether it's professionally, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, relationships, friendships, family. If I feel like it's a cage, I'm not only going to fly away, but I'm going to fly away, like, for a while. Oh, yeah, like, yeah You're going to not see me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. But um, speaking of your mom, um, you went back home. You were talking about your grandma and your grandfather yeah. just now. And you interviewed them, right? I interviewed my mom. Yeah, yeah. So what For the second you... time. Yeah. Now, that's on the podcast, correct? That's also on the Comedy Trap House. Thank yeah, I actually heard that interview. I thought that was so sweet. Shout out to Mama Pam. Shout out to Mama. So um, what were some big takeaways that you got out of interviewing your mother as well as your, your grandparents? I know for sure, um, like I didn't have my grandparents on record, but I had on record for my personal stuff. I didn't put in my interview, my because it wasn't. It was more of a conversation with my grandma, right. and I found out that on my grandma's side of the family, everyone, nobody worked for anybody, and it's my first time knowing this. I I never knew it. She said everything in your family on that on this side of the family was built from ground up from somebody else in the family, dope. and I was like. That's why I don't want no job. I was like, I, I was like, for all this, I was like, I never knew what was this. It was always something in me. It was like, I know I'm meant to own a business. I know I'm meant to, I'm not meant to work for nobody. And when she said that, I was like, ah, okay, makes sense. And I just, I never knew that. And another thing I learned is like, my grandma just has the, the, the heart of uh, like, when it comes to not giving up, like she told me how they used to have to make their mattress. She had to go pick, cause they didn't have the money. She had to go pick straw and stuff it in this thing and make her mattress. She, her, her mom worked for like 14 cents out, like all this stuff that I'm like, couldn't be me. But then again, it's called sacrifice. And that's a big thing that, that I, 
and like that's one thing I'm big on is sacrifice. You have to be able to sacrifice something in order to complete your life's mission. Me going to LA with the guys, I sacrificed a lot. I sacrificed relationship, I sacrificed being near my family, I sacrificed financial like security, I sacrificed a lot. Like we as a group sacrificed a lot because but we know where it's gonna lead. And so my grandma, I was like, I have to, I must get that for my grandma. But at the same time, she's so she's so resilient, she's she's so powerful in my eyes, but she's also one of the most compassionate people that I've ever met. Like I've never heard my grandma say no to anybody. And I'm just like, I'd be, it'd be times we'd be at a grocery store and she'd be like, I'll be right back, baby. I'd be like, all right, so I'm in the car. 45 minutes later, <laughs> I get out the car. Grandma by the honey buns talking to who a guy, a guy knows who. I'm, and she'll have people, it's just like, people gravitate to her and my mom told me I have that she was like when you go into a room she said as a child she said you didn't speak she said I've watched you I've dropped you off watched you walk into a daycare and kids just <laughs> come and she'd be like he I don't, they don't know but it's just they are excited they are it's just a, a energy that I that I have and even my guys in my group tell me the same thing, like, it's my superpower. My superpower is people. Like, when we go out somewhere, if they need me to connect or something like that, they like, they almost like they send me out like a, like a weapon. They go, All right, go do your thing, go, go connect, go figure it out. And they know I'll come back with the information that they need. Yeah. And I don't take that for granted. And I think my grandma has a, a lot of that. And then on the totally flip side, with my granddad. My granddad is probably one of the coolest, assholish, hardworkingest men ever. <laughs> nice to my grandma, but just when I like when I see him, me and him go back and forth all the time. But I love it though because I'm like, once again, their relationship is the lamb and the lion. Right. My granddad is the is the lion. My grandma is the lamb. You know, and a lot of I just seen. Looking at, at now being 30 and looking at me as a kid and then now in my relationship with my grandma, it's, none of that has ever changed. She's always been the same. Like, I've never seen them. She just stayed the same. My mom has a lot of that. Um, and I'm trying to figure out if there's anything else I learned as far as family or anything with my grandma, but not really. But she just, she told me, oh, she told me the story. She said... She was with my aunt, when my oh, her oldest child. She was with my aunt, uh, my aunt Tona. Shout out to Aunt Tona. She was with her, and I guess my aunt was maybe a teen or something. My grandma was coming around this river basin or somewhere near in the country, in the deep country in North Carolina, and she said four dogs, like a pit, a Doberman, like a boxer. They were all. She was like the the biggest dog you could see. Cut out. They start running after her. And my aunt is on across the water because my grandma had went to go look at some or pick some or I don't know she might have been praying I don't know what she was doing, but she said she was coming around the dogs were running after her. and my aunt was just screaming because she was like these dogs get get my mama like this is it like and so and my grandma I mean of course she probably couldn't run super fast so she said she could feel the dogs getting close to her and she said something in her said remember your power and so she said. She turned around and she said in the most soft voice, she said, no. And she said, all of them <laughs> stopped and kind of looked at her and she said, no. 
go. And they were just looking at her. And so some told her she was like, just back away slowly. So she started backing away. And they sat. She said they sat. She was able to get my aunt and they got in the car. And she said she thought about that for so long. She was like, what was that? She was like, I mean, that was nothing but God, of course. She was like, but that's the power that we have, the, the power of vocal, to speak. And I think that's why I love doing what I do, because I like to speak. Comedy is a, is a, is a weapon of, of speaking, of being vocal and, and changing atmospheres. Because you can go, somebody can come in a room crying, and you can speak and turn their whole day into something else. You know what I'm saying? Or somebody come in a room and be down and for what you do, what you're doing. And you can speak to them. You've seen it. You, you've seen it. You said you've seen somebody cry right in front of you. You speak and you see walls being broken down. And that's such a testament to our spirit. And like when we speak things, like people don't understand. It makes me so mad when people are just speaking negative things. Like it makes me like just churn on the inside. I'm like, yo, you don't know what type of barriers you're building around yourself right. when you're doing that. Each negative thing you do, you land a brick, you land a brick, and then by the time you're done speaking, by the end of the week, you, you're like, why am I feeling weighed down? Why? Because you've been speaking that. But the minute you start speaking that stuff away, it's a whole, It's <laughs> it just feels so different. Like you just manifest things. And like when people say, it, it, spirit is so real, I don't know how people can't, I think everybody wants to find it, and, and you, I know God in spirit is real because how else when somebody calls you and you say, oh, I was just thinking about you, you know what I'm saying? People, yeah. pe- people pass that off as, oh, it's a coincidence, but it happens to everybody because we're all connected. How can you be here and I be in L.A., I hit you, oh, I'll just think about you. It's because you manifested that without even speaking it. So the moment you speak something... How powerful is that? You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, a lot of that, my grandma, man, she she's just a, a very spiritual woman and I love her for it because she put a lot of that, every time I speak to her, we always talk about that and she's always giving me those gems. But I wanna say something. So a second ago, so we have, uh, <laughs> we have uh, Maria's cousin here. Oh, what's your name one more time? Rod. Rod, we got Rod here and Rod was, you know, Rod was just he was he was he was in his own, but I could tell he was a little uncomfortable in the position he was in. So I had to stop and I was like, Hey Rod, you know you can grab a chair, my man, you don't have to be uncomfortable. And he was like, You know what? I don't know why I didn't think about that. And the reason why I want to talk about that is because he didn't think about it because he was he was focused. You know what I'm saying? Like he was so zoned in on his work and what he had to do that he sacrificed him being uncomfortable just to get what he had to get. And that's like a, that was just, I just took that as like a lesson to speak on this podcast about like, sometimes you get so engulfed in your passion and what you do that your uncomfortableness doesn't even matter. Like, that's why people can sleep on on a couch. People can sleep in a car for months. And you're like, why don't you just, you know, go somewhere, do it? And they're like, nah, because I'm so fueled by what I gotta do. That's no, it just, it's just, what I have to do. He sacrifices uncomfortableness just to help you out and because he loves doing what he do. And I just thought that was a great moment for like, it was a great learning moment for this to happen during this uh, interview. So here you go. I just wanted to say that because it was was dope. That was dope. (laughs) 
Because uh-huh. I was like, I was thinking about, I was thinking about you. I was like, why is he sitting there? He could get a chair, but he wasn't. He was like, you know what? We're gonna set up. We're gonna get a shot. He wasn't worried about. Wasn't it. worried about. <laughs> I mean, he was shifting. You could feel it uncomfortable. He was like, I, but if I would have said nothing, he was gonna fight through it. I can tell you, right. he was just gonna, he was gonna roll with it. <laughs> but that's dope. <laughs> So, going back to your grandparents, mm-hmm. I know you bring up a lot of stories about the women in your family. Yeah. So, is there anything that you have learned specifically from your trip or dealing, even in the past six months? I know you've seen your mom about what twice. Yeah. In the past six yeah, months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which that's that's which is really good. I don't, I don't think I usually see her once once a year. Well, that's good. That's yeah, twice in yeah. six months. That's not yeah, bad yeah. at all. So, is there anything with being around them recently that's taught you about maybe dealing with women? In all, in always, not necessarily yeah. just romantically, oh, but just dealing with women. Period. Has it taught you anything different, or things you need to probably pay more attention to? Uh, tone. Tone is something that. Tone is something that I've learned. Like even with my my baby sister, um, listen to her because she's in a phase right now. Where she's figuring life out. You know, she's twenty one. Um, and she's trying to like gather her life. Um, you know, a little stupid. But anyway, uh, no, nah, I love her. Uh, like, yeah. I'm always messing with her. I heard on the Mama podcast. Oh yeah, a better child. Oh yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I'm always gonna be a better child for sure. I'm older. Uh, but anyway, uh, no, okay. but I love her. Uh, but <laughs> with her, like, even I'm, you know, I kind of not eavesdrop, but. I can hear her talking to, you know, she got a little boy she talked to, or uh-huh. friends and stuff like that. And I could tell by certain tones just how she's feeling, like, which I didn't really notice that before, like, a certain way she may say something. And then I asked her, like, oh, you doing all right? Or how you feeling about this? And she's like, well, this kind of how I feel about it. And I was like, oh, I can tell because I can tell how, how you said it. Sometimes not about what you say, it's like how you say it. And even with my mom and it's it's a certain key thing to, to to listening to listening to a woman. Like you can hear a woman, but listening is a whole nother thing. Like sometimes like I could tell when my mom is is tired or out of it just by like a just a, a, a breath. Like a and before I wouldn't Notice that, but in in the book, the way of the spirit man, it talks about breathing and the the flow of the chest and the and the, the sound of the the voice coming out, the sound of the breath coming out. And I was like, oh, when I read it, and then I like if my mom was going through something while we was there, while I was there with her, or somebody stressed out at work, or when she called me, just about the first word, she'd be like, because it could be a hey son, or like hey son, you know what I'm saying? And, I, and you can, and so I take that into account when dealing with anybody. Uh, I was at a restaurant yesterday and the waitress came by and she was like, hey, how you doing? Da-da-da, handle the stuff. What would you like? Would you like a drink? That a mad monotone. Old me would have been like, yo, she wild. She gotta, she need to, she gotta <laughs> get it together. I'm not being served by this monotone waitress. Like, she gonna bring my whole meal down. Like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. To me now, I I try to feel people before I I pass on any type of judgment or anything. So I'm like, all right, she's giving me a tone of today's been a long day. So 
I ask and I'm like, hey, you good? She's like, what you mean? I was like, you all right? I was like, you know, I was like, you look nice. I was like, you know, I was like, you feel, you, you okay? And she was like, you know, nobody asked me that today. <laughs> She was like, I mean, I'm just tired, honestly. You know, I got, you know, school and da da I said, hey, I understand. I was like, look, you know, your smile can help somebody else today. So, you know, just just try to, like, just it's, it's going to be all right at the end of the day. I was like, you're young. You got things going on. I was like, you're a beautiful girl. So don't, don't even trip. It's all good. The rest of the time, she was good with it. She came by. She checked on me. Da-da-da. And I was like, it's that little thing that can make it break. Uh, a marriage and a divorce. You know what I'm saying? Stuff yeah, like it, it, it's that it's yep. that little stuff that sometimes we as men we we think it's uh, oh man she she nagging me about watching TV or like taking out the trash da da da. It's but reading that and, and really studying myself so that it's not about the trash or the TV. Women are here as a constant reminder to do better. Like you guys are a a beacon of, uh, of of hope when it comes to you can do it. Like you know what I'm saying. So if she's asking you about the trash or TV, or TV, it's not about that. It's why are you sitting here not using your gift? Why are you being lazy? You know what right. I'm saying. She care less about the trash. Of course, I mean you want to take the trash out, but it's about oh you said you're gonna clean the garage last week. You haven't done it. Where is that man that I know that keeps his word? You right, know what I'm saying? Right. And, and I've learned a lot of that comes with, like I said, it's tone. So she says, hey, uh, the garage is still, um, <laughs> you know, still that that tone right there is like, all right, I said you said it once, but maybe you had something going on, da, da, da. But then if she comes, she's like, so the garage still isn't clean. Like, what's going on? Like, she's digging for something deeper to figure out what is it like what what is it you're not communicating with her that okay if you had something going on at work just communicate that or if you have something going on to where it's affecting you mentally where you can't you feel like you can't go on talk to her you know what I'm saying so that's one thing I did notice being with my mom and my sisters like listening to the, the tone that that things are said and it's 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 a beautiful thing honestly so yeah I'm paranoid now. Hey, yeah, so I'm going to use that break too. Yeah. Definitely we're eating through memories. Loki got me over. I put my arms in the gym. They holding the gym like this for like 10. When you be doing other interviews, you don't get tired? Or you do, but are you just saying like, are you saying the position that you're in or? Yes. Oh, okay. Like the arm position. Oh, gotcha. I told you, you can hold it. You've held it before. I mean, I ain't want to. You, you, because you're on camera. You the host. Because if I take it, it's going to be my show. It ain't going to be your show. No, it is. Yeah. No, it's not. No, no, no. I'm saying visually it is. Because if it comes on and you got the mic and I take it from you, they're going to be like, all right, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Oh, um, alumni. Alliance? No, no, that's not even, it's just visually, if I see somebody holding a mic, I'm like, oh, this, 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 this is the host. It's a spiritual wrong boy show. I tell you, spiritual wrong boy. Spiritual wrong boy. Yes. I might put that in my bio. I like it. Yeah, you just have my arm. Well, how you want? I just flex it. You got to flex it. That's flexing. There it is. They got to stay there for a minute because it's a tight. I was working out yesterday. 
Don't be laughing at me. Hey man, you get the muscles. Okay, we well, have so good. Thank you. Some hands. Yes. Anyway, um, what else do you want to discuss? Mm -hmm. Oh, did you? Is that a thought? Nah, I just thought about me saying tone, and I really just realized I learned tone when I said it. Yeah. Hmm. Bro, oh, hey, bro, I do that a lot. Yeah. And they can sit for other eyes once you say something. Yeah, cause I, I that, well, I wasn't gonna go there, but then that's it. That's what popped in my head, and, and it made sense. <laughs> More likely, we're gonna keep all of this. I mean, <laughs> the obvious positive. So, you cool? You cool? Yeah, I'm good. All right. So, anything else I wanted to ask you? Ah. So you know I'd be like on this. Wait, wait, wait. Let me um, let me roll first. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Look, is my posture good? You feel me? Because I'm just good. sitting here like you know. good. Okay, thank you. Is that real? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you know I've been like on this whole like, you know, red room, king room, and you've been on this whole I'm 30, it's time to sit on my throne. Oh, yeah. I can't get the voices even. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm right know. there. I'm at the throne. Right. So yeah. for those who may not know, like what is what is what is a king to you? And what's a queen to you? Um a king to me is someone who has enough self-awareness to know when they're wrong but to still lead. This is what I mean. Like you can do something and be like, "Oh, that wasn't a good idea." I messed up. That's my responsibility. But I'm not gonna let that affect the people who um who I'm leading. I'm gonna lead them in the way that I was supposed to go. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's a big thing. And a king is someone who can be vulnerable and strong at the same time. You know what I'm saying? I look at kings like King David and how he <laughs> I love the story of King David because everybody knows the, the story of David Goliath. And a lot of people think that, oh, once he beat Goliath, he became king. He went straight back to the field. Once he beat Goliath, they were like, oh, all right, get back. Because he was anointed before the promise came. You right. know what I'm saying? Which a lot of us are. And a lot of us, we, probably both of y'all in here, you've, you know in your heart where you're supposed to be, you know you've been touched by something, but you're like, where's that? You know what I'm saying? Which is all of us. And so David had that, and then he was on the run until he became king at 30. Until he became king. And I just think that a king knows how to do his work but then serve in his purpose before the purpose is given to him. So I'm what I'm doing right now is serving in comedy when I'm going to do a small comedy club, when I'm going to do an interview, when I'm going to create a skit that just, you know, I'm not getting any monetary gain from it, but I'm serving in my purpose before the whole thing is placed upon me. And I think that's the quality of a king. You have to know that Kings don't just lead, they also serve. CEOs shouldn't just sit in their office and point fingers and delegate. They need to get out and get their hands dirty. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's a big part of being a king. And when it comes to vulnerability, and when I go back to David, he had a moment where, so for people who don't know, there was, King Saul was before David. Saul 
was so jealous because the the spirit of the Lord was taken from him and put into David. And Saul was on a mission, and this is just in life. He was on a mission to kill David. So take a hater for instance. He was in the, on a mission to get David knocked out before he even became king. And there was a moment where Saul lost step and went to go use a bathroom in a cave and David seen him and the boys was like, yo, hey David, ain't that you? Ain't that you? Ain't that Saul? Ain't that who trying to kill you? We can get him right now. And David went to go stab him, but instead he just cut off a corner of his cape and said, this isn't my mission. He's still serving as king. I can't do that. And that takes so much, like, that's like when a hater just at your neck and <laughs> they just tearing you apart and breaking you down for you to just say, you know what? You are still someone above me. You are still doing your thing. You are still handling your business. It's not my place to even talk about you because that's going to mess up my mission. Right. And it just takes so much integrity to, to, to do that. And so I think being the king is having that integrity as well. And, you know, he had feelings like a lot of people don't know, like, I mean, whether you follow the Bible or, you know, you know, you know, there's a book of Psalms in there and it's just different stuff. And just reading it without context, you're like, what is this stuff? It's just a lot of words. But the Psalms of David is basically him arguing with God, arguing with himself trying to figure out why is this guy after me? Is this what you want from me? God, he's like we do in the house. We like, God, what you want from me? Oh, I don't know what to do. It's the same thing. It's the same human aspects we have, but then it's about perseverance and it's about uh, uh, showing up and it's about taking responsibility. And that's why I love his story so much because he wasn't a good person. Like he was, a, he had a godly heart, but he did terrible things, which we as humans do. But he still was king, and he still led the way he needed to lead. Even though it was tough, it wasn't perfect, but he still had the heart to continue through it. So, um, yeah, I think a king is about that vulnerability and that, that strength um, that you got to have. Having a family and, you know, leaving your family to go take care of business or if something happens to your family, showing up to be there for your family and balancing work, family, balancing figuring out your life, all that stuff. And then I think it's the same thing for a queen, uh, exact same thing, honestly, because in women, you're bearing children and, and, and yeah. making sure the home is taken care of and then support and like support. People think support is an easy thing. Support is not easy, especially when you're not sure what you're supporting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, <laughs> when you're not sure what, that's not an easy thing. And women have this, the, women are so powerful. You guys have this, this, this energy, this this spirit of of already knowing, like a woman's intuition is one of the scariest <laughs> and most powerful things on this earth. You better know about it. Like for any woman who's listening to this, don't let anybody ever tell you you are not a queen and you are not powerful because men don't have that we do not have that at all you ask us something we sound like scooby-doo we don't but a woman you guys like a woman if a man cheats on a woman she you guys are so 
that's how I know love is real. Like, love is so powerful. The spirit of love is so powerful that if a guy is to step out on a woman, even if you're not 100% sure, you're 100% sure that you feel it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Even if you're not 100% sure up here in your mind, you're 100% sure in here, in your in your soul, in your spirit. And that is a powerful thing to me. Like, most women know, like, yeah, I'm getting cheated on. And so that's yeah. when questions start coming. And when the questions start coming, it's either you got a split second to tell me the truth or I'm going to get in your ass. <laughs> and, that, and that's what it is. Women actually give men the opportunity to come clean, to to tell me right now, and we maybe can salvage something. Yes. But yes. we get so scared <laughs> that we we just throw out the most ignorant stuff. You'll be like, "Who is Diana?" And we'll be like, "I mean, you talking about the the the, the uh, the microwave popcorn bag that I put into the, the like what 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 you what you talking about? You asking a direct <laughs> question, and instead of the guy saying it's a girl at work who I've been taught, you know, because truth is scary. Truth is scary in all aspects. Truth is scary in relationship. Truth is scary in careers. That's why a lot of people are scared to go be what they want to be. Their ultimate truth. Oh, you want to be a chef. Uh, but like it's hard to run a restaurant or you know most restaurants fail and da 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 that's your truth but you're so scared to live in it that you let life pass by and then now you're living a lie this whole time and right. now you're laying on your deathbed with regrets when you could have just lived your truth a long time ago and women like i said you guys just have this that that, that just intuition that is beyond understanding that, that I just will never understand but I will always respect it and um, so yeah I think part of being a queen is just having that ultimate intuition to maneuver and do what you need to do um, but yeah that's what kingship and queenship means to me that's a really good answer actually that's that's really dope um, there was something you mentioned that we talked about. Remember that Facebook? Well, not Facebook. I'm sorry. Instagram post talked about mm -hmm. about the whole paragraph of a woman talking about what a man's gonna do if he is sure about a woman, and then yeah. you brought up men not being sure in their head, yeah. but might be sure in their soul. Yeah. You want to talk about that post now? Um, I mean, we could talk about the post. I'll, I'll give them some more thought because, well, essentially, you got to tell them what your post was okay. really saying. Thank you. So yeah. what it was was it was a post on my page. If you guys go maybe about seven or eight posts back, you'll see this long, um, looks like a Facebook status message of a woman saying, "If a man is sure with you, you know about you, he's gonna do X, Y, Z. He's not gonna have you out here looking stupid. He's not gonna have you out here looking X, Y, Z. He's gonna do this, that, and the third. Um, if if a man wants you, he'll." step up and he'll do for you basically so don't look for a man to change because if he wanted to be there with you he would do that already so that was basically kind of the tone of the post and i asked all the kings on my timeline to give me their perspective and i asked him about it and he said he would answer it once he gave us some more thought and here we are so what's happening that question is so 50 50. that answer is so 50 50. yes if if a man likes you, you know, he'll do what he wants to do for you and stuff like that. But let's put it in this perspective. 
um, I want to be an architect. Let's say that's my, the architect is the, is the girl, I'm the man, I want to be the architect. I go to school for the architect, which means I pursue her, like, boom, I love being an architect, like, that's my, that's my thing, bam. I get out of school, I can't find a job, you know, get into that, that architect job that's, it's, it's a little, it's a little tougher now, like, now I got, I got to shift a little bit. What I'm saying is, like, what I'm basically saying is, like, a man can know that he wants you, but, like, he still... Like, that's what I said. I said, he'll know in his, he won't, he won't know up here in his head, like, um, I'm not sure if I like her, I'm not sure if I want her, but in his heart, in his, in his spirit, he like, there's something about her though, you know what I'm saying? But he just hasn't acted on his truth. He just hasn't acted on it yet because maybe he's scared, maybe he, in his head, oh, I'm not ready to be a relationship. Uh, I can't, oh, uh, but what if, uh, what if, what if she want to get married right away? Da, da, da. It's all these questions in your head, but in your heart, you know, like, I want to be an architect, but how do I get, how do I get past this fear of, like, <laughs> the things that are going to happen to me if I get into this relationship with this woman? What if I get in a relationship, and then what if we, what if we start arguing a lot? Or what if we, da, da, da. It's so many what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, that we just don't do it. We just ultimately, like, all right, uh, we just go to the next, next thing, da, da, da. And think it's with women too. Say the same thing. Like, girl, I know, like, I want this guy, but maybe she's not ready in her life right now. Maybe she's not in place. That's why I think that question is so. It's kind of. It's kind of. It's so broad because people can sit here and say it. They want you. They want you. Da da da. Well, why aren't you in the career you want to be in? Right. Right. You know. <laughs> like that's. And I'm just like, I can't sit here and say this man needs to go after you. Maybe he just don't have it or maybe just don't know it he can do nice things for you can do all that and then maybe he gets there in front of you and he's like damn this isn't really what i what i want people change i think the minute we realize that people are like weather we'll be better off people are like weather you can't expect to go outside especially not in Atlanta. you can't expect to go outside and it just be sunny all day or you can't expect to go outside and it'd be snowing all day it's going to change it might change midday like today that's what i'm saying like so a lot of people when they get in relationships even when they get in relationships they expect this person to be the same every day why that's one of the most i think that's really ignorant to expect this person to be the same way for the next 50 years if you know them that don't even make sense <laughs> i expect them to change but I expect their love to stay the same. Right. And I think people put the, get the two mixed up. I think they think if they change, that means they don't love them no more. Right. And so now they start feeling a certain way. That's not the case. If I used to text you all the time, and then if I used to text you in the good morning all the time, and then one day I stop, don't get mad and say, you not the same person. Yes, I am. <laughs> I am the same, I'm the exact same person. I'm changing. Maybe I'm trying to find a different way to communicate instead of through a, a menial good morning text. I can show it to yourself. Like, I don't want to keep doing that because if I keep doing that, then one day you'll be like, oh, good morning text don't mean nothing. Why you keep sending me that? You know what I'm saying? Like, I think people got to look at it like that. Like, it's like you can't get mad at somebody for stopping it. Or they say, oh, you should, uh, the man needs to do exactly what he did to get the woman. 
Yes, he should in a different way. <laughs> He's not going to do the same thing. You think I'm finna be running around here chasing after you the same way I did when I first... Nah, but I'm going to chase after your heart in a different way. I'm going to chase after what do you like now? Like, oh, shoot. Okay, I know she likes her dinner this way. I'm going to chase after taking her to this spot that she like. I'm not going to do the same high school stuff, college stuff I was doing before, we gotta stop putting that type of pressure on these guys. Like, that's a lot of pressure when all we wanna do is, we do wanna do right by you, but we're changing. And same thing, vice versa. Men can't expect women to, man, dog, she, man, she used to like, wake up and rub the top of my dick or something like that. Like, but she don't do that no more, man. <laughs> yeah, she don't do that, but what else does she do? Is she helping you build? Like, is she, creating an outlet for you to to do so like you know what i'm saying look at the other stuff people got to stop thinking just because you stop doing one thing that oh it's it's over you don't like me no more stop it stop it people change people change and that's the bottom line so you basically are saying you have to just communicate and learn each other then essentially Duh, yeah, that's essentially what you have to do. Hey, why don't you send those good morning texts like you used to? Baby, to be honest, I don't like doing that shit no more. I love you, but I'm not going to keep doing that. But maybe I'll send you a picture or something this time. All right, cool. That's a that's a compromise. But the minute you don't speak and you don't say nothing, and that's, that's what my granddad said. I said, granddad, what's one thing you'll tell me as a 30-year-old? He said, communicate. That's for That's all. He said, just communicate. And that's... This whole world is just full of miscommunication. That's what the whole world is. Racism, politics, school systems, Instagram, Twitter is full of miscommunication. That's it. Like, just because somebody says one thing, they take that one thing and then put, my mom didn't experiment. She said it was a room full of people. She said she flashed words on a screen, all the words dealing with like uh, being tired. So it was like tired, it was nap, it was pillow, it was bed. So she flashed the word for like 15 seconds. She said, write as many words as you see and remember in 15 seconds. She said, when you go around the room, compare answers and see what you got. So, <laughs> so they did the experiment. Everybody got up. You can see people talking like, "What you you remember that?" You see people exchanging like, "Oh, I didn't write that down. Let me write that down." Boom, boom, boom. So they sat back down. She said, "All right, how many people wrote down the word tired?" Um, like a couple people. How many people wrote down the word uh, nap? People raised their hand. How many people wrote down the words, uh, wrote down the word sleep? She said, like majority room raise their hand and she said okay how many people wrote down the word sleep because it was on somebody else's paper even more people raised their hand <laughs> she said sleep wasn't even on the, the slide oh and that's how miscommunication happens that's how racism happens that's how because one person thinks they seen sleep on the board they write it down and then when somebody come and ask them oh sleep was on there they're like oh yeah it was on there that person writes it down People just believe and believe and believe and don't trust in nothing that they have inside of them. The scariest thing for somebody to ever tell me is, oh, just tell me what to do. I don't want I don't want to. I don't want to do that. That's not that's a lot of responsibility. I feel you on that. 
I don't want to tell you what to do. I want you to trust in that inner voice when you be still to tell you what to do. You may not hear it for a week, but then one day you'll hear something. Boom, like, oh, okay, that's what I need to do. And when she said that, I was like, yo, that's crazy that it wasn't even on the, it wasn't even on the slide, but because they associated tired, nap, pillow, oh, sleep gotta be on there. There's no way it's not on there, but it wasn't on there at all. And that was amazing to me. That just, oh, uh, that that uh, that group of black kids over there, they, they dance and they huddle together. Oh, they gotta be doing something bad. This group goes and tells that group, that group goes and tells that group, oh yeah, that group is bad because they're doing bad things. And then you go over there and they're like praying. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, and that, it's just little stuff. Like, do you see how ignorant this stuff is? Like, it's so stupid. But that's just what the world is full of, miscommunication. And it's just, it's, it's sad. And it's, it's sad, but it's also, I think the more that people realize it, it can be tweaked. I don't know if it ever be fixed, but I feel like it can be tweaked if we just start communicating. Oh, you don't like black people. Why? Well, my dad told me that you guys are bad. Oh, really? Why don't you like white people? Oh, well, shoot. When I was younger, they just told us that everybody was trying to hang us and do all that stuff. You don't think that way? Nah, I actually love black people. And now that I've been hanging around with you guys, my dad was all wrong. Yeah, I was wrong too. <laughs> it's like, it, it, it's so crazy how a few words and exchanges can make the world of a difference in, in, a, in a path of somebody. Oh, you, you wasn't talking about me on Instagram? Nah. Oh, but it looked like you had said, oh, no, no, what I, what I was saying was dot, dot, dot. Oh, so you're actually supporting me. Yeah. <laughs> when you when you really break it down, you like, what's wrong with us? Like we wilding out here, and so yeah, that's uh that's my answer to that Facebook post, the miscommunication. Quick question: yeah. Is that video gonna catch the creak in the chair? Let me probably catch a little bit. Yeah. Probably a little bit, but he can be another. He, he talks loud. He talks loud enough. He calls. Yeah. He got that big booming voice. What time? Yeah. Oh, perfect. What you gonna watch on? A little secret about my watches. It ain't set to the right time because I had pulled this out and I was scared to break it. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to leave it at the time. Is that just like my glasses <laughs> ain't real glasses? So, like, I mean. Wait, you know lenses in there? No, they lenses, but these oh, ain't prescription. Oh, okay, okay. Ain't none of this prescription. I'm actually amazing vision. No, no. Oh, yeah, you make it a point. Yeah, I no, have no, like, I, yeah, no, great vision. Great. I have amazing vision. I wear glasses, but I really, I really don't need them. Can we talk about something sexual real quick? I, just, I thought about it, it was in the, the book. Well, I'm not really asking you, I'm going to tell about it, but... I'm what you not going to do? Well, I'm just saying. What you not going to do? No, no, it's, it's something What you going to do, apparently? It's something that was really interesting to me. Okay, go ahead. Because this is like the... the In the book, uh, they talk about how... In the, well, the Way of the Superior Man, they talk about how... Um, ejaculation is a tool, is, is a weapon, and how we can't just go frivolously, frivolously, frivolous, yeah, somebody, I think that's the word. Frivolously. Frivolously, frivolously, spreading. <laughs> that sounds so funny. He was like, you can't go around ejaculating like, 
like she's spreading the jelly on bread <laughs> because we have a certain power in that it's a certain energy harnessing that that pushes us for example in football they tell you never have any type of sexual contact before a game because you release everything that you were going into the game with and you'll play horrible i've done it before i know exactly what you're talking about because i was hard-headed i didn't listen and I either had sex or did anything sexual, whatever, masturbate, whatever it is, and you feel different. You feel depleted. You feel it's a moment of release, but then you get this like, oh, wait a minute. I don't feel like doing nothing. Like, I don't feel like, you know what I'm saying? And so they tell you to harness that certain energy to go into projects, to love, to like love your woman. And even when you have sex, he was like, he was like, the reason why men come quick is because they're thinking about how they feel. He said, if you want to stop coming quick, thinking about the way your woman feels with you inside of her. And I was like, what? <laughs> and they said, it takes time. But they said, the minute you do that, you turn on another part of your essence and your being. Because now you feel you and her. You said, they said, don't feel into your woman, feel through her. And I was like, whoa. And it makes sense because, of course, if you're having sex, you're gonna feel like, oh, this feels good to me. This feels good to me. But now, connect yourself to her. How does this feel to her? Her breath, how does she, you know? And I'm like, he's like, that's how you last and that's how you connect and that's how you reach an ultimate orgasm or that's how you re reach an ultimate thing together instead of separate instead of like oh you come first all right let me come now you come first no 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 let's talk to me what how, how do you feel what does that feel like let me know and i'm like it just blew my mind when i really read it i was like a lot of men try to feel like man i'm having a problem like lasting long da, da, da. it's because you're focused on how you feel and when you focus on how you feel you're not worried about nothing else and then that makes you uh, uh, come quicker but it was like if you focus on loving through your woman not just with your penis but with your heart with your head now you have because they said a lot of people think sex is a pelvic experience no no it's from head to toe that's what that's what sex is from head to toe and the minute you learn that you really get the essence of what God created when it comes to sex it's a head to toe experiment experience not just your your uh, private parts it's head to toe, it's how your heart feels, how your chest moves, it's how the sweat feels, it's how your skin feels, it's how when you touch, does this, how does this feel, what type of sensation does this come from, like, it's an experience, and people look at it as just a moment, and that's not what it is, and that blew my mind, and it really opened up my mind to a lot, I just felt like um, other men should, any man listen to this, go read the book, The Way of the Superior Man. So I'm really glad that you brought that up because I've had a lot of women center perspectives on the show about sexual magic and orgasms and um, being digmatized and mm -hmm. having positive um, sexual images about themselves and harnessing and you know being a little bit more selective and discerning about their sexual energy whether it's um, Vanessa from Vagistine or whether it's um, Alexis K. Tyler. Hopefully I can have Tiffany and Janae on the show because I know she this is definitely up her alley but um, it's interesting to hear a man explain 
how important it is to harness sexual energy. I know some men, they, they practice ejaculation. Feel free to Google that um, for some more uh, clarification. But it's about really knowing that it's not about an orgasm or it's not about, um, what, a two men in it, I guess? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a man. It might, it might not even be two minutes, depending on how you feel. Right. So, you know, it's not even about just that release. And then it's like, whew. Yeah. All right, I'm finna get up and go eat and then go, yeah. you know, go on about the rest of my day. It's really, for me, not just an, an inner, what's an inner body and a head to toe experience. It's about connecting with that person besides the aesthetic, besides what they feel like in terms of physics, like the physical. It's about being able to like connect that energy and figure out, you know, yo, I'm the masculine in this situation, I'm the feminine in this situation, and it's how we're gonna pull together to not only build that energy, harness that energy, and then come together and release it and project it towards manifesting something dope. So yeah. I think people people look at sex as like I don't know why people like get nervous when they talk about sex. Like it's not something that God created. Like it's not something that He literally said be multiply, be be fruitful and multiply. What y'all think fruitful mean? Like, that mean like, yo, go go have sex and multiply. How else we multiplying? Like, he, he not just saying like, go jump in the field and and pull yourself out of yourself. <laughs> like, yo, go be fruitful and multiply. Have a family, create, bond. Like, that's what it is. And people look at sex and they like, oh, but, oh, it's nasty. you can't talk about that. Ooh, that's nasty. That's about, yeah, man, shut up. Like, it is what it is. It's life. Like, it's a part of life. Like, I don't, I think people hold it to this whole big pedestal of like, oh, we can't talk about this because this is like, nah, how else we get here? Right. Like, y'all stop tripping. Like, it's life, you know, but yeah. Okay, let's go further since you wanted to bring up sex. So, Tiffany Janae had a um, quote on her Instagram, and I thought it was interesting. I wanted to ask men about this, and it just didn't dawn on me to ask until now. She basically said something along the lines of, you should not be having sex if you're using condoms. If you have to use condoms to have sex, you shouldn't be having sex. And I think the, if I remember correctly, I don't want to misquote her, but it was more so along the lines of, I think she did a webinar on it too. I need to check that out. But it was more so along the lines of like trusting and you having a, a relationship that kind of transcends this shit to where there's a there's a connection between the two people to where that's not even a factor. Thoughts on that? I fuck with it. Oh, you fuck with it? Yeah, no, nah, I, I like hey Tiffany, do hey, do your thing. That's that's solid. Cause I mean, what am I gonna argue with that? I can't argue with that. Like that's real <laughs> shit. Real. That was, I can't I can't argue with that. Like you know, for what condoms do, what how they protect, they're they're great for for, for protection. But in the overall span, like in the in the broad spectrum of condoms, they trash. Like when you like when you really think about it, because it's not it's not natural, not what it's supposed to be. So I know it sounds funny when you say kind of trap. Now I'm not saying don't use them if you need to use them. Now for sure use them. But what I'm saying to the natural, to the spirit, to the they they kind of trash in that sense because that's not what it's that's not what it's for. And anybody who has raw sex, you uh, you will agree with me to to the fullest extent. And whoever's listening and watching, if you've had raw sex. Yes, I'm saying it nice, loud, and proud. Then you know what I'm talking about because that's what life is. And like I said in my interview with uh, Shannon, uh, shout out to Shannon Boudreaux. In my interview, I said the vagina is home, and men just trying to find their way back. You're like that's that's I mean that's just what it is. It's home. It's that's where that's where it is. <laughs> I knew you could not get through this interview without a heartthrob line. I knew it. 
that's not that's not heartthrob. That's not heartthrob at all. That's real life. Like it's like, oh man, you know, Dorothy was trying to clap her heels. We trying to use our dick to, as a beacon to get back to where <laughs> so to get back to where we get to. But no, no, no. But what she said is real. Is is uh, is very true. Um, but yeah. Any other? Uh, I'm just trying to think. Damn, we didn't cover everything. Sex, um, professional life. I guess I can kind of sort of end it with the because uh, I didn't talk about the Three Feet from Gold book like like that. So Three Feet from Gold is exactly from Gold is exactly what it says. It's about essentially the Three Feet from Gold story is about a man who didn't have the passion for mining, but what he did was. He found, he heard that there was some gold in like West Virginia or somewhere like that. So he went to go digging and he found a little piece and he's like, oh shoot, I'm about to go back, get the team, bring some machinery and we're going to get the popping. So they come back, they find a few more pieces, but then they stop finding pieces and he keeps digging, 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 digging for months. Nothing. Finally, he gives up. He sells his land for like 120 something dollars, the, the plot of land that he had. He gives it to this guy who was actually a miner whose passion was to mine and find gold and stuff like that. So he gives it to the guy. The guy then gets his friend who like does like geographical stuff and can look at maps and go know which way to go, all this stuff. So they go down to the land. And the guy tells them, he says, let's dig horizontally. They've been digging vertically, let's dig horizontal. And three feet when they dug horizontal was millions of dollars of gold. And essentially what the whole book is like, learn to adjust. Don't always make plans to stick to that plan. Learn to adjust, learn to shift your perspective. And just like the miner, but the, the main thing was the miner, it was his passion first. He didn't go in there saying, oh, I'm gonna find a bunch of gold. He was excited to mine. I'm excited to do comedy. If I, had a, one, was I, if I wasn't excited, I'd have stopped six years ago when we wasn't making no money, four years ago, or, or when this happened or that happened. I don't care about none of that. I like making people laugh. I like doing this. I like inspiring people. I like creating. And that's what it's about. When you just go for what you want to, life will turn you the way to find that goal. And you never want to stop three feet from it. If that guy would have just learned to adjust and not get frustrated and leave, he would have been a millionaire. But he, the, all the guy who did leave and sell his land, he learned and he took that learned lesson and went on to do like successful insurance and stuff like that. But he said he would never stop no more again because sometimes we're so close and we just stop right, right there at the brink. We stop and you can't. I'd have gone too far to stop. Like I didn't, I sacrificed nine years. It is what I look like stopping now. That don't make sense. So yeah, so don't stop. Get you just don't stop three feet from gold. So yeah. All right, Ray of Rome, is there anything that you want to share with the people? We didn't cover damn near everything. I guess I can end by saying uh, for those who always feel like they get no's in life, it's always a no, it's always a no, or stuff like that, shift your perspective a little bit because if you're alive and you're listening to this, then that's the only yes that you need. That's a real good way to end. All right, y'all. You heard it first from Red Rome, a.k.a. Spiritual Wrong Boy, a.k.a. Heartthrob, a.k.a. Rome Green Jr. And that was this week's episode with Rome, a.k.a. Spiritual Wrong Boy, a.k.a. Rome Green Jr. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys got to um, get a 
get a bit more clarity as to who he is in this current time. Um, if you guys want to listen to episode 30 and kind of be able to measure the growth, you can definitely do so. I put the um, episode link in my show notes, so definitely check it out. Shout out to Sherrod of RTC Visuals for capturing the um, interview on video. So we'll have some video clips too <laughs> as well. Man, entertaining is an understatement when it comes to interviewing my friends and people I care about. So this was no different. I love interviewing folks that that I'm that I'm cool with. Like it's really dope. Um, it's also dope to be able to see them grow. Like it's almost like friendships and relationships and just bonds in general. It's like a, a plant, you know. Like first you have a seed, then you have a sprout. Then you have a strong stem, and then the stem starts producing leaves, and the leaves start producing flowers, and the flowers start producing fruit. Next thing you know, you got a whole damn tree of a bond between you and the person that you care about. So it's really dope to see all of my friends. I've interviewed a lot of friends on this podcast, um, men, women, what have you, like OGs, elders, people that I've actually had personal relationships with. And it's so dope to just see the growth and the progress with everyone, even with Sarah McKeeba. Like, I interviewed Sarah McKeeba during... Her getting her master's now she is about to graduate in the fall with her master's or um who else have i interviewed that's grown immensely braxton cook i interviewed braxton cook he was um promoting somewhere in between that was almost a whole year ago you know what i mean and now he's working on new music he's about to do his first live album you know he's engaged now he's about to get married so it's just a lot of a lot of things can happen less than in less than one year like I have a friend he was working on himself as a man and now he's about to be a father less than a year like it's just amazing how things can happen people are 150 pounds heavier last year now they've transformed themselves it's really dope and it's really amazing folks that were virtually unknown a year ago are now not even necessarily viral but they're really making positive impacts in the world people that didn't have a, a concept launched it was just an idea people are actually doing things with themselves and I think that's really dope and I'm saying all that to say because y'all know I always got to be all introspective at the end of the episode I don't know why but I just be having stuff on my mind when I be doing my outros but <laughs> basically start that's what I'm saying just start sometimes an idea will be just that an idea but if you put some type of effort or energy or one step towards it no telling what opportunities can come up that can really grow your idea from being just on paper to be to manifesting into something tangible that you can touch you can feel you can do you can spread the word about so for those that have ideas that are kind of on the fence just start You'll know if you're making the right decision. Some folks may not want to wait. I mean, they may not want to make the decision to start because they want everything to be right. But sometimes things end up straightening themselves out once you start. So for those who are on the fence again and are discouraged, I hope you took something from uh, Romanized interview in terms of just how how dope it is just to start. Roman them been doing this whole dorm tame and this comedy thing for like almost 10 years now. Just imagine if they never started or just imagine if they gave up, you know, like they wouldn't be close to where they are now if they hadn't had that kind of resilience and that determination to say, you know what, this is ours and we're going to make it shake and we're going to keep going because this is something that we want to do. We want to see this come to life. We want this to be something that we can serve the world with. So please take that 
Um, just take that and apply it to your own situation if you're ready. If you're truly ready to take the first step and you're on the fence, go ahead and just do it. If you need some time to continue developing your idea, it's okay. Just don't get caught up in perfection. Um, perfection can be crippling for some people um, because people will be so critical that they don't want to start. Or they judge their idea to someone else. And when it comes to that, there's a lot of things that are similar. There's a lot of people that are doing spiritual things. There's a lot of people that are doing things that that are like living, you know, like tech or health or fitness. There's a lot of people doing similar things. There's, I mean, there's so many broad concepts. But nobody can do you when it comes to that like you do you. So as long as you're being true to yourself and you're keeping that integrity to your core values when you present the things that you want to do or the idea that you want to present if you haven't done it yet, then do your thing. It's okay. You have your own brand of how you want to kick knowledge or kick whatever concept you have to the world, and that's okay. So just want to give some encouragement to somebody who might need it. But with that being said, it is time to make peace with the day. I'm going to light some frankincense and get my um, get my lavender steeping for some tea and prepare to uh, get some calm in my life and enjoy this conjunction. You feel me? So with that being said, my name is Maria. This has been another episode of the Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. And remember, trust the journey and trust yourself. Peace.